Johnny Summers, remind all of our wonderful listeners why they should love the handlebar right here in Chico. Well, not only do they support this show and they're long-term friends of ours, but also they have an amazing happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., where you get a dollar off draft beers. They have 28 beers on draft at any given time. They're dog-friendly. They're kid-friendly. They have delicious food. And like I said, they're friends of ours. So, I mean, if that's not reason enough, then I don't know what else to tell you. We think they're great. You should check them out. That's the Handlebar 2070 East 20th Street right here in Chico. Tell them Max and Johnny sent you. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a podcast about craft, beer, and film, a very special Christmas edition. Merry Christmas, everybody. My name is Max Minardi. Happy Hanukkah. It's Johnny Summers back in your ears. What's going on? Fair enough. I think it's, yeah, we always just say it's our Christmas episode. It's our holiday uh, celebration episode, whatever that means to you and yours. Um, we are separated from each other more than usual. I'm down seeing my family in Modesto and... Uh, as a result of that, we're kind of doing a few different movies today. You're going to hear Johnny's review of Nightmare Alley. You're going to hear my review of The Matrix Resurrections. You might even hear one extra movie review if you stick around long enough. And we do have two beers today picked out by our own Johnny Summers. Johnny, what do we have? Yeah, the first one's going to be a hazy beer from Almanac. And the second one is going to be a pie cobbler infused beer inspired, I should say, by Alvarado Street. And that one has lactose. That does, so I have to take pills. So you've chosen a hazy IPA, a style that you don't love, and a, a, a pie-inspired beer with a thing that can almost kill you for our Christmas, in the, in the spirit of Christmas. I, you know, I'm a giver. I'm basically Santa, you know, and at the detriment of my body, I give the people entertainment. <laughs> if you find yourself listening this Thursday on KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing a portion of all that goodness. You're going to be hearing our first beer review, and you're going to hear... Uh, I'm going to say a spoiler-free talk, which might be the whole thing because I haven't seen this yet, but a spoiler-free talk of Nightmare Alley, and that's all you're going to get to hear today. Indeed. You can also find the rest of the episode, uh, including our second beer and discussions of one, maybe two more movies, mm -hmm. anywhere you get podcasts, plus you know the Hot and Bothered segment. We can't forget that. Sure. It's always fun. You can go to our website, uh, freshhopcinema.com, or you can go to Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. We have new episodes that drop every Friday at 10 a.m. If you like us, rate us, review us, subscribe, tell a friend, put our sticker on something that doesn't belong to you, that sort of thing. Yeah, we're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram for photos, obviously, Letterboxd for film reviews, Untapped for beer reviews. You can find all of that um, by by searching on those on those sites, at Fresh Hop Cinema. Um, or yeah, or like Johnny said, you can go to our website for all that stuff in one place. And if you really want to chat with us, in depth about your your holiday plans or how Christmas went or how it's going, you need a break. Get out, get out into your little garage and text us a quick email, and we'll chat and we'll reassure you that all of that eggnog and family time is going to do you some good. Send it to fhccast at gmail.com. With that out of the way, dude, let's get into beers. Let's start with the first one. It's a beer. This is all I know. I'm going off of just the name. I'm going to tell people this is from Almanac Beer Company, and this is called Love Hazy IPA. If you've got any other information, I would love to know it. Yeah, so this version is their Christmas one. They've come out with a, a few different packages. There was a, a really bright neon green one that I'm familiar with that I've had maybe a year or two ago. Uh, they did a special rainbow edition for Pride. This one is wrapped like a Christmas sweater with just the words love. Kind of looks like it's knitted onto the can. See, it yeah. reads, yep. this is a lush, tropical, juicy, hazy IPA that clocks in at 6.1%. 
Okay. You got anything on the side of the can? Yeah, I think there might be. I was going to say, there's some fun stuff on the can. Yeah. Share some love this holiday season. This limited edition ugly sweater, Love Hazy IPA, is a tropical and dank, jolly ale, double dry hopped with sabro, citra, and mosaic. Notes of mango, cantaloupe, and coconut will keep you feeling festive fireside in the hot tub or apres ski. Happy holidays. This beer includes Sabro Citra Mosaic hops and Pilsner Wheat Barley and Oats is the malt bill. And that says check the bottom for the date. Which, of course, I have. This, and it was mine's 1026. Yep, same batch, 1026. So well within the wheelhouse of being fresh and delicious. Max, have you tried your Love Hazy IPA? I have, man. I wanted to yeah give you a shout out because this is like one of the most Christmassy looking cans I've ever seen. You described it so well to the, to, the, to the point that when you read the description, a lot of what was just on the can was what you saw and described yourself. So uh, props A on picking the beer and then B describing it for all of our listeners, I think pretty well. Um, yeah, I've tried it, man. It's, it's, you know, it's a straight up hazy IPA. Like sometime in, in years past we've done, and, and our second beer is more along these lines, but we've done more Christmas themed beers as far as the, the tasting profile goes. And this isn't necessarily Christmassy, even the way they described it is not indicative of, you know, like holiday spices or nutmeg or, or vanilla. I think they mentioned coconut, which is weird. And I, I will just say off, off my first drink, I, I suppose I like it, but it's it's nothing that's blowing me away. And, and some of those flavor descriptors you read, I think, are very, very much misguided. <laughs> it does uh, have some lofty verbiage. Yeah. You know, it's it's a little melony. It's definitely got the tropical vibe of of a hazy. I love the, the hop profile. It really pops with some, a little melon, but I'm not going to say no. strong cantaloupe, you know, but... I think if it were to have those, it would venture into the realm of too sweet, and I'd probably not like it as much. So I enjoy that the hops kind of come through a little bit more than those sweet melony notes. Yeah, uh, It is just a very straightforward hazy, but I love the fact that it's really well balanced. It doesn't get too sweet. It's actually got a nice base of hops, and it doesn't venture too far away from them, but it's got a nice body. It's drinkable. You'll look festive as all heck drinking it at a Christmas sure. party. Yeah, it's it's good, man. I I agree. It's it's a pretty hop forward hazy beer, as as that category goes. It's sort of a niche sort of way to describe a hazy beer because I feel like most of the time they do lean into the sweets the sweetness. Um, I do actually do get quite a bit of the cantaloupe melony thing, especially on the back end. But it's a pretty light drinking beer as well, which kind of makes sense when you factor in that six point one percent. But I dig it okay. You know, I'm I'm actually drinking it straight out of the can because my um, ill prepared butt. Uh, I don't. I'm, I feel like I don't know if we have any long-term listeners listening to this episode right now, but you may catch that my voice is sounding different, and and my recording setup is on a folding table, sort of in a granny unit at my parents' house, and on the folding table I have my laptop and our interface, and I've just stacked two uh, couch cushions to sort of dampen the sound, mm-hmm. and I can't remember why I even started saying this now, uh, so never mind. <laughs> Because your voice is different? Yeah, there's something about, uh, oh, what we're oh, drinking. Oh, you're out drinking of, out of a can. There's not a glass anywhere out here, so I'm drinking it out of the can. Um, and it feels, maybe this is some craft beer heresy to some extent, but this feels like a really good beer to drink out of a can. Like, it's straightforward <laughs> enough where I'm not necessarily going to trip myself up looking for all the most nuances that I would get out of pouring it into a proper glass. It drinks really well out of the can, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's well-made, straightforward. On the simpler less nuanced side of mm-hmm. a hazy but you're right it's really good beer just for drinking i don't think i'd have a problem drinking this out of the can as well uh, but it's a solid beer for sure what are you drinking it out of 
I am drinking it out of a Lagunitas brand mason jar. Dude, it, with the dog on the yeah, side. Yeah, it, it's great. It blows my mind that that's your go-to. Like that's your, that is your favorite sort of. Is it drinks in general or just beer? I love drinking out of jars. Everything. You don't find that like the the round the wide roundness of the lip makes it more prone to spilling and less less easy to sort of sip casually. No, I'm, I'm experienced in the beverage game. Okay. I can drink it without spilling. You're just a guzzle. You're a guzzle boy. I think you just got to take a big gulp every time it's in a mason jar. Not really. I mean, you can if you want to, but no. Okay. Well, I have I have learning to do. What uh, what don't you, what don't you like about Love Hazy IPA, if anything? Um, honestly, there's not much I don't like yeah. about it. Or you know, it's <clears throat> it's really well made, and it does hit all the the right notes for me to actually enjoy it. Uh, I it's not too sweet. It's not too bitter. It's just really pleasing and not. It doesn't have anything that stands out immensely positive or immensely negative. It's like mm-hmm. really yep. solidly like this is fine. excellent beer to drink. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. It's it's fine, dude. It's it's right up it's right up the middle for me. I, it's there's nothing offensive, nothing wowing me necessarily. Super good. I would totally drink it again. I'm definitely going to drink the rest of this. Uh, and I think that's about the point in the show where we should probably give it a rating out of ten. Out of ten for me, it feels like a. Oof. This is like a solid seven two. Whoa. This is a great everyday hazy. Oh, that's super. I guess that makes sense for you. That makes total sense. I was uh, just, uh, maybe I've said the word fine so much. I thought you were going to be closer to my rating, which is a five straight up the middle, baby. It's just, just totally and perfectly wonderfully fine. Yeah. This is on the higher end of hazies that I enjoy. I'd probably buy this again. Like if I'm in the mood for hazy, it's going to be something with this profile. Yeah. So makes sense. Get some high marks from me. All right. Uh, where, where did you pick this up? Uh, I got this at Curtis Park Market in Sacramento. Okay. Um, I, I would hazard a guess that it's probably, Almanac has enough distribution that they are, I know their beers are in Chico. I'd be willing to bet this one probably makes its way towards us and, and anywhere in Northern California really up to a point. So if you get to chance yeah. to try um, Love Hazy IPA or any, any beers from Almanac really, uh, please let us know. Once again, you are listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, maybe on KZFR. 90.1 FM. Uh, please don't hesitate to reach out if you do get a chance to try these. Indeed. Now we're going to toss you a trailer for one of our movies of the week, Nightmare Alley. Don't worry, there's no spoilers in this segment, or maybe any segment since I'm the only one that's sure. here. Anyway, Max, roll that bean footage. I will ask you simple questions. You will answer in short sentences only what you believe to be absolute truth. Absolute truth. I can do that. Now, brief as you can, what is your name? Stanton Carlisle. Are you a true medium? Yes, I am. Mr. Carlisle? Doctor, how about that? Please lie down. Can you read minds? Yes, I can. Under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Are you in contact with the beyond? Well, we've had our share of snake charmers in the past. We deal with them. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. I've given you a fortune! time that you delivered. When does it end? I want to know. If you displease the right people, the world closes in on you very, very fast. 
If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear this discussion in its entirety. It'll be available tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. alongside all of our other episodes dating back all the way to 2016. What you did just hear was a trailer for Nightmare Alley, and I'm stealing a synopsis here off of the World Wide Web that says this. In the 1940s New York, down on his luck, Stanton Carlisle endears himself to a clairvoyant and her mentalist husband, we gotta unpack that word, at a traveling carnival. Using newly acquired knowledge, Carlisle crafts a golden ticket to success by swindling the elite and wealthy. Hoping for a big score, he soon hatches a scheme to con a dangerous tycoon with help from a mysterious psychiatrist who might be his most formidable opponent Yet, this is a film which is, in fact, directed by Guillermo del Toro with a screenplay by del Toro and Kim Morgan. It stars Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, Ron Perlman also shows up. There's more people that I'm sure Johnny is more equipped to talk about. So for now, I'll just say this was released in theaters in the United States on December 17th, and it runs a whopping two hours and 30 minutes long. Johnny Nightmare Alley. I wanted to see it very badly. Uh, It was a combination of timing and... And the fact that it's not available except for one screening a day down here in Modesto, and and given our schedules, I wasn't able to make it to that screening, though I was very, very excited to see this. It kind of feels like the, it kind of feels like based on the trailers and everything I've read about this, like almost like we're stretching out Halloween just a little bit longer because like again, a good like Mm. spooky, especially like a carnival spooky movie, I'm always in for that sort of thing. So I'm bummed I didn't see it. So I'm I'm more than usual looking forward to hearing your take. What What did you think about this? Yeah, first of all, that's bonkers that it's only playing for one showing a day in Modesto. Dude, I read this. What, I, what, I read this this article that was it was some theater down, I think in uh, in L.A. area, and they were talking about how there was a screening for this, but then it got bumped so they could squeeze in one more screen for the new Spider Man movie. And I was like, of course. like, of course, that makes like sure people are going to see Spider Man, but like at least give other movies a fighting chance, you know? Yeah, bummer. Nah. Now we're just gonna play Spider Man all day. Every just, day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, what do you what do you think of this though? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think you should definitely still watch it. Okay. It was a very interesting look at 1940s carnival life, yeah. directed by Guillermo del Toro. So it had his style and his fingerprints all over it. Obviously, he was the director. Um, the aesthetics of this movie were pretty captivating in just their drab dreariness. The whole movie felt very dark and mucky, and even at times when they were in like a penthouse apartment in New York, it just felt subdued and kind of muddied, and it had this real interesting aesthetic that affected the overall vibe of the movie and really put you in a mood and like a mindset. What it, kind of what kind of mood? You know, it was just kind of like dirty and grimy, mm-hmm. and like it was. It definitely was. It's a little bit ominous mixed with just possibly criminal. It had a very interesting feeling to it. I really enjoyed Bradley Cooper as Stanton Carlisle. Yeah. He played a very interesting character. Uh, the movie was written really well. I loved the the screenplay and the writing, and I think it was cast fantastically. I mean, the star power in this movie yeah. was was immense. The plot definitely felt like a an upscaled version of a season of american horror story that's totally the vibes i got by the trailers okay i'm glad you said that yeah yeah like i i watched i think it was called american horror story freak show and this is just you know living up to the potential of what that could have been without kind of the cheesy subplots uh and it was it was really captivating it did get a bit long 
we'll get there because i mean two and a half hours okay. is ridiculous yeah. you really have to earn anything over two hours and man it was it had moments of being a little long in the tooth but overall i liked it i it had enough twists and turns to keep keep me engaged and keep me interested and there was so many interesting characters and they gave them enough room to kind of flesh out who they were and uh especially rudy mara's character him and or her and bradley cooper were kind of the two main characters yeah and what's uh, and her what's her is, deal uh she can conduct electricity so she that's got a big you know it's all very very obviously 1940s sideshow carnival type acts like okay, Ron gotcha. Perlman plays the strongest man alive and you know there's a bearded lady and okay. things like that. Okay, real quick um, and this is a tough comparison not to make. The, the, we covered a a, a Chris a, a Christmas time release carnival movie a couple of years ago or uh, circus movie, excuse me. Um being the greatest showman. Yeah. Which is by all my guesses very much not the vibe of this, but but it had the same sort of character um, uh, archetypes, you know, like you, there was literally like the strongest man, like the bearded lady and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. My issue with that movie is like some of those characters were so poorly fleshed out. You didn't ever get a chance to care about them. I'm wondering if, if with, yeah. with a cast this big and ostensibly with as many side characters, did you feel more attached to them than you did in the greatest showman or no? Um, attached is an interesting way to say it. Probably they, there were still a lot of tertiary characters, mm -hmm. but there were just enough that got fleshed out that you got invested. I think really this whole movie was about, you know, maybe three people. Okay. Essentially it was a movie just about Bradley Cooper. Um, but the main characters that kind of pulled through, it was more about them in life situations and not about their their act if you will sure they definitely incorporated some of that earlier in the movie but it then kind of transitioned into more of just the characters interacting with each other and and the plot progressing that way but um i would say probably less of the actual carnival characters we got to know than um, the greatest showman okay fair enough good is it scary medium not really it was definitely more of a suspense that was one of kind of the issues i had with it okay was it was sort of advertised as this carnival horror type film i mean it's called nightmare alley I know. yeah so i mentioned that to my mom i was like hey i gotta see a movie for the podcast like would you want to go to the theater and see nightmare alley and she just said it's called nightmare alley no thank you yeah okay no, just by being called that, it it brings up connotations yes. of night, nightmare horror, nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, and it really did kind of straddle the line with one foot leaning way more into drama and a little bit of suspense. Mm -hmm. There were, you know, punctuations of some pretty gnarly violence. But as far as being an actual horror movie, I would say not really. All right. Okay. Um, and you still think I should see it? Yeah, I think it was definitely worth a watch. I loved the cast. I think just seeing, you know, Bradley Cooper interact with Kate Blanchett and, yeah. you know, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, they're so good. And then Rooney Mara was fantastic in this movie. Yeah, um, you mentioned you can make the case that this is sort of about three main characters, the, the most main one being Bradley Cooper's character. But who were the, who were the other two if you had to boil it down? It to would, them? Yeah, it would be Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, and um, Rooney Mara. Okay, gotcha. And then Kate yeah. Planchek plays uh, Lilith Ritter, and what's what's her deal? So she is a psychiatrist that um, it kind of gets deep into the plot, and I don't want to get okay. too spoilery, right. but um, yeah, she's a psychiatrist okay. that eventually in the movie encounters Bradley Cooper. Gotcha. And 
Well, that's as far as we'll go with that because right. that does get into spoiling the plot a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, it was two and a half hours of plot and it does start to get pivotal pretty quick. Okay, that's good to know. Um, let's talk cinematography briefly. The cinematographer on this was Dan Lauston, who's worked with Del Toro quite a bit. He most recently did Shape of Water with him. And you sort of mentioned the interesting look of this and how it sort of evokes that Tarantino or Tarantino del Toro vibe. Um, was it pretty in line? And I know you're a fan of Guillermo del Toro in general, um, mm -hmm. but was it, could you tell that it had that sort of cinematography and that sort of um, partnership that they've developed over the years of making movies together? Or was it a totally new look and still somehow captured that del Toro vibe? I would say that it was most definitely a new look. I okay. mean, all like all the colors were super muted and washed out. Mm -hmm. And I remember one striking thing in a lot of Del Toro's other movies is there'll be really bold colors at some point totally. to to emphasize things. Like I'm just thinking of, you know, the brilliant colors in the water in shape of water. Yeah. And uh, you know, even back to Pan's Labyrinth, there was some really amazing colors. The reds and the blues. Yeah. yeah. And this whole movie was really muted and like it had just come out of the rain. This is what this movie felt like. It was just uh, yeah. drab. And yeah, like everything that was supposed to be red was like brownish red and faded. So, I mean, it was obviously a an intentional choice to create an atmosphere. And it definitely captured the the Del Toro feeling. Mm -hmm. But 100%, it was a new aesthetic. It's hard for me to think of Del Toro films without sort of thinking of the creature aspect. And when you combine that with like a, a carnival setting, like... I, I don't expect there to be the uh, the eyeless man with the eyes in his hands or, or or even the creature from The Shape of Water, but were there any fun, like, Del Toro-ish creatures throughout, like, even just tossed in on, on the edges? Yeah, they were. There was Willem Dafoe had a, a sideshow act where he had, like, um, they called him a geek. Okay. It, was, it, it dabbles in, like, human trafficking oh. where they pick up a drunk and get him addicted to opium and then feed him live chickens well, in front good. of an audience. Okay. No, it was pretty, pretty terrible, pretty, pretty gross. But, um, in Willem Dafoe's other little sideshow area, he had a bunch of like anomalies, uh, like animals that were stillborn and, uh, mutated animals in jars, things like that. So there yeah. was definitely a, like a creep show practical effect feeling from a lot of those scenes. I always feel like it's, it's really delicate territory to kind of get your audience or get any audience to, to, either revile a character like that or empathize with them? Was Willem Dafoe more of like the, like, how did you feel towards that character? What Did you see him bite the head off a chicken or anything? He didn't, but, because uh, Willem Dafoe was like the guy that had the guy in the cage that oh, did that. Oh, I see. Okay. So Willem Dafoe was the the human trafficker. Well, even worse then, how do we, yeah, like, how do you feel about the Willem Dafoe character? He was pretty gross. Okay, okay. And there's no, like, is there like a redemption arc for him or are we just like, nope, he's just like a scummy thing that exists in the... In the, the greater world of this carnival. Well, it's funny because you do get to see Circus. kind of uh, a dichotomy of his personality because before we realize that he's essentially a human trafficker with a, a man in a cage that's addicted to opium, yeah. performing obscene tricks for money, right. uh, he basically takes Bradley Cooper in um, and gives him a roof and a job. Yeah, okay. So... Like he definitely has a bit of compassion, but then he's obviously this terrible person as well. So it's it's a weird balance for him. All right, fair enough. You want to give me an out of ten on Nightmare Alley? Out of ten, it felt like a six point nine. Okay, I mean that seems pretty reasonable. What's keeping it from being a seven? If you don't mind me, it asking? just 
did, it was a little too long. Yeah. And there were for sure times where it was, it struggled to keep my attention. And it, like I said, it definitely felt like it was trying to dip its toes into several different genres when it should have maybe just committed a little bit more to something. Um, you know, the plot felt vague at times. Like we knew it, it was going in a general direction, but it didn't have as much focus as I think it could have. And it just got a little sloppy in a few places. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you want to take us out of here then? Yes, let's get out of here. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on hopefully KZFR 90.1 FM. Nightmare Alley is available in theaters right now. If you get a chance to see it and have thoughts of your own, find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. Yeah, or head to our website, freshhopcinema.com for film reviews, beer reviews, and podcast episodes dating all the way back to 2016. To our KZFR listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes a review of a second beer, my review of The Matrix Resurrections, plus the unpredictable, hot and bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app, subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. And to those of you already listening to the podcast, we'll be right back with some more Christmassy goodness to throw right down your ear holes, so don't go anywhere. Welcome to Not the Danger Zone, everybody. This is one of those rare instances where uh, the movie shall not be spoiled on this show because it's a movie uh, that Johnny thinks I should see and I haven't. So we're not going to talk about the movie anymore. Nightmare Alley has been put to sleep for a rough night's sleep, tossing and turning all night long because it's having <clears throat> nightmares. So On hay. Yeah, on what? On hay. You on have to hay. sleep on hay. Oh, on hay. Sure, of course. Very, um, very circusy. Very, mm-hmm. yeah. Beer too. So are we done? We're done with the KZFR part, right? We're done. We're off. We're off the rails. Fuck also, yeah. Sort of a train. Were you picturing like hay in a train car? Because that's what I was picturing. Like yeah, a traveling there, circus. You're in a train. There was some of that. Yeah. So we're or just in rails. a tent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Beer two. You've picked it out. You've taken your special pills for the uh, middle-aged man. I'm about man. to take them. Yep. Okay. Good. Um, middle-aged so, man, such as myself. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that movie, um, Pink Panther, the Pink Panther remake with Steve Martin? Oh hell yeah! I used to watch it a lot as a kid, and then I somehow watched it again as an older kid. And he goes, when he's like trying to have sex with Beyonce, which is a thing that happens in that movie, he like drops a purple pill down, down the drain. He goes, oh no, my middle, uh, my, my, my miracle pill for the middle-aged men. And I never got it. And then I was like, oh, that's Viagra. That's, <laughs> that's what that is. It's just one of those moments oh, of like, oh, I've, I'm no longer innocent. Yeah. Didn't get it when you were younger. And no. now it's like, oh, you dirty, dirty man. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of Viagra, our next beer is Pie Hard with a Vengeance. From Alvarado Boom. Street. It's a pie-inspired imperial sour ale with peaches, cinnamon, vanilla, and lactose, or as they, as the bougie folks say, milk sugar. Um, there's a tiny bit on the can that says, think fast, look alive, pie hard. There's a plate of delicious-looking, I'm going to say peach pie. Peach. Yeah. Yep. With a fork and a scoop of, let's say whipped cream, though I hope it's ice cream, all on a white turntable with the needle coming dangerously close to the pie underneath all of that is a big fiery explosion that looks like it was cropped out of a 90s action movie and put on hell yeah good enough in honor in honor of the consummate christmas classic die hard which we just watched for patreon how cool that's right this movie or this week is so on brand i'm so proud of myself um have you made the mistake of opening the can yet yeah Shoot. I was just reading on Why the side. is that a mistake? Well, it says store upside down. What did it say? Store upside down for maximum, for peak enjoyment. So I'm actually oh. letting mine sort of, you know, spin a little bit on on the nose and then I'm going to pop it open. But um, 
since I'm not pouring it into a glass, I guess it doesn't really matter. But I think that my drinking experience will be more evenly distributed than yours. Mm. Interesting. I didn't do that. I was just looking at mine, and it still looks pretty thick. Jesus Christ. It smells so intense. (laughs) I literally just opened the can and just like popped me in the freaking nostrils. Like those guys that lift mm-hmm. heavy things and sniff those ammonia salts beforehand. Yeah. But better. Okay. Um, have you poured yours into your glass? I have. Describe, I poured and I have sipped. Describe for me what it looks like because I'd like to know. Sunny Delight. Oh, really? I miss Sunny Delight, man. It gave me that little film on my teeth that made it feel like I was rubbing nails on my own chalkboard. Mm-hmm. You should get some Sunny D. It's good stuff. Okay. So Sunny D, uh, that's yeah. how it looks. It's, it looks like Sunny D, or if you took a can of peaches, you know, yes. the yes. peaches in syrup, mm-hmm. and you put them in a blender, and you just pushed all the buttons. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, it's got that look, uh, and it is very not see-through. So oh it is God. thicker than a Snickers, boy. It's so sweet. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. It's very sweet. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> It really does taste like oh, canned peaches. It really does, but there's like a tang on the end, like a, like a like a not a spicy tang, but like a, a tart, pointy tang. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow, that was a lot. That's yeah. that is totally on brand though. That's exactly what I should have expected. I just thought, what are the odds that we're gonna do? Because was it two weeks ago we did um, chunk the pineapple, uh, whatever it was, the pineapple yeah. sour from Sunday Drecker. Sour? Man, I was like, what are the odds we're gonna get two beers that are that? intensely flavored this close to each other and and we mm-hmm. did that's this is wild wow okay yeah. they pack a ton of peach flavor into this like it really does taste like a peach cobbler that's nuts yeah this like, was canned at uh, the end of november by the way yeah brand spanking new yeah and you even get like a, a touch of the cinnamon which is i mean you want that that's supposed to have it 100 percent. i will also say there is a diehard related uh pie pun on the bottom of this can. And if you if if you want to participate, you have about four seconds after I finish talking to guess what that pun is before I say it. And if you get it right or wrong, you think you have a better one, please let us know. Cause I think that pun is pretty strong. Yep. Yeah, there's a pun on the bottom of this can. There's a couple seconds, rack your brains. And the pun is yippee pie, which is yeah, great. Pretty great pun. It's fantastic. Um, I love it. Do you like this beer? Like I like peach cobbler fine, but 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 is it good as a beer? Yeah, I like it a lot. Peach is one of my favorite all-time stone fruits. It's up there. Peach and nectarines are two absolute favorites, wow. and I love what peach can do in its, you know, potentially overripe luscious sweetness. But then if you get more of a mid-ripe or a different varietal of peach, it can add some of that nice tang. Sure. Like for a good cobbler, you want like a mix of like 75% uh, overripe peach and then like maybe 20%, 25% of that tang. And I I love the combination in this because it does taste at the same time like overripe, just juicy drip down your cheek peach. Because, you know, I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> uh, you know what I thought of, right? What? Um, call me by your name. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> that's, Jesus. That's I think that's the pinnacle of peachdom right there. Um, oh, more dude. so than Nick Cage and Face Off. Oh, that's good, too. Man, we got to talk about I that could, Nick Cage movie coming out, by the way. Yeah. 
the unbearable weight of yes. massive talent yes, or whatever. whatever. Which is based on something else that, um, that I can't think of, but it always makes me, like every time I see that trailer, I'm like, what is the actual thing? The, the unbearable, uh, there's a book, man. The, it's like the unbearable lightness of being, I think is what it's called. It's very mm. tragic. Doesn't matter. Happy things. Um, yeah. <laughs> I got way more cinnamon on my second drink. That's way more balanced. Yeah. I don't know what had happened on my first one, but on the second drink, I was like, oh, that's so good. It's way less tart. And way more yeah. full-bodied and sweet and delicious and rounded. Yeah, just like it's off apple cobbler or peach cobbler with ice cream, man. I think this is one that you're really missing out in not having a glass and just getting more of the nose. <laughs> I think so, too. Because those cinnamon and spices and the vanilla pops through. This beer is definitely mouth-watering. It is super desserty, but I honestly don't think it's too sweet. Like. This would be a great beer to share with like one other person. Yeah, for sure. Did we? I don't. Did we say this is from Alvarado Street? No. Okay, this is from Alvarado Street Brewing, which uh, is is located at a place that Johnny will tell you in a moment. But the Monterey. other thing, oh, it's in Monterey. Is it on there? Um, it's eight. No, I just know where it's at. Man. I don't know, dude. I told you I get Almanac and Alvarado Street mixed up all the time. This is why, why I didn't say where Almanac is from, but I think it's San Francisco or Livermore. Mm, that sounds right. There's an. There might be another one in Livermore though. I think um, Altamont. Yeah, Altamont. In Livermore. <laughs> yeah, because the Altamont Pass is right there. I get these three breweries mixed up almost every time. <laughs> well, they all start with A, and I they're know, all... And, you know, that's it, really. They just all start with A. Well, Altamont and uh, Almanac are pretty close to each other. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, geographically or, or linguistically? Yeah, they're Bay, Bay Area. Yeah, totally. Um, but the point I was going to make also is that we didn't say this is 8%, which feels insane. Yeah, it's That's real high. strong, dude. It's very strong. Um, okay, I'm fully I'm fully advocating this beer, which also sounds like another brewery I would mix up with these ones. Advocation Brewing Co. Is that a thing? No, but it could be, right? We could start that. Well, you are a beer advocate. That's true. I guess that hey. is a thing, isn't it? Already beer, yep. beer advocate. I'm gonna take <laughs> I'm gonna take my third drink here and, and reevaluate. All right. Yeah, I like this beer a lot. This would be great for a Christmas share, a New Year's get-together, or just chilling at home. I mean, honestly, this would be a great first beer, first thing Christmas morning. Yep. Like a great breakfast or brunch beer. Like drink this instead of a mimosa with some eggs and some hash browns, maybe a waffle. Yeah. Do you say a whopper? Waffle. Oh, a waffle. That that makes Uh, way more sense. I'm fat, but I'm not that fat. (laughs) Good God. Get a whopper. (laughs) You're going to get... Yeah, Christmas morning whoppers, yeah. bro. Yeah. How'd your family celebrate? Well, I mean, I know you do the I know uh, you do Chinese food on Christmas, which I know yes. is is got its own sort of rich tradition, but I I, I didn't want to box you in. Like maybe you do burger hang on Christmas morning. I don't know. Nope. And then Chinese actually, food at night. Yeah, I was actually uh enlightened to the fact that uh Chinese food on Christmas Day is an old East Coast yeah. Jewish. No, it's a whole heritage. thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. How did and you find my, that out? Uh, well, I, one of the owners of my company whom I share an office with is in fact an East coast Jew from Pennsylvania. Sure. Uh, and it has deep roots and her family did it growing up and she thought it was so cool that I did that. And she's like, you realize my people started that, right? Right. And you're like, no, I just love Chinese food. (laughs) Yep. But that's awesome because that's a great idea and I'm going to embrace it. Yeah. I don't know if there's any podcast listeners out there, but if there are, there's a great stuff you should know on Chinese food. Obviously that was a joke. We are only a podcast, so you're probably a podcast listener. But if you haven't heard the Stuff You Should Know podcast on uh, particularly Chinese food, it's a great one. But Chinese food on really? Christmas. Yeah, it's a really good episode. No kidding. 
There's a whole tangent about um, one of them used to have a buddy who was like trying to find a Chinese food dish with cheese. Mm. And there's just, and like, you don't think about that, but there's no cheese in any Chinese food. No, the closest uh, you can get is like a uh, cream cheese uh, cream, uh, stuff, crab, crab wontons. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. But like, that's it. Yeah. There's, it's just not part of the, the, the cuisine. Dude, million dollar idea. Nobody's listening. It's just you and me. Go for um, it. Trademark in we, case anyone is. We, yeah. TM. Yeah. 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 Go. We start a straight up just Amer- Americanized Chinese oh food <laughs> restaurant where we put cheese. Nacho cheese. Everything. My bro, that'd be so good. We'd have to make some modifications, but like, yeah, you know, obviously like the right sort of cheesy adjunct with, with the Kung Pao chicken or an orange chicken, like with a dipping, like a cheesy dipping sauce. Imagine like orange chicken with like a nice ricotta. Oh, you mean like real cheese? Oh yeah. No, I'm not interested in that. I want shit cheese. Not, no, we, we, we can have, we can have a whole spectrum. Man, you know? some, like man, some brie. I was watching a video where some person like roasted, roasted some. Or I think they fried a, a hunk of brie cheese, and we're just dipping all sorts of stuff in it. And I was like, man, like I don't like brie cheese really, unless I see it late at night, and then like that looks delicious. Yep. But if I could just just take a hunk of broccoli from broccoli beef and stick it in that, and just suck that down oh, my yeah. face hole, you got you got me you got me licked there. That's a great idea. Oh, yeah, dude. Or like some general chicken with like a yeah. spicy pepper jack or like a jalapeno pepper jack. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it's at. Why has no one done that? Like Asian fusion is such a huge thing. Like why haven't they just straight up Americanized it, it and feels, made it? It feels wrong. I think it's super why. disrespectful. It feels and, just like just so antithetical to any like cultural tradition or, or any oh, sort yeah. of reverence for Eastern cuisine at all. No, oh, 100%. This why. is like the biggest colonizer idea I've ever 100%. had. 100%. Like, so I'm advocating it with an asterisk. Advocating exactly. with an asterisk. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a total ripoff. Like, but by the way, I'm it, so sorry. If, if if Alvarado Street makes pie hard with a vengeance, then then advocating, I'm I'm making advocating with an asterisk. That would be the first beer from this fictional brewery that we have made up. Advocating with a vengeance. <laughs> with the vengeance. All right. <laughs> okay. I like it. Good tangent. That one was. Yeah. Do you want to rate this beer? I want to put cheese in Chinese food. That's what I want to (laughs) do. I think I'm hungry. I think I'm hungry too. (laughs) Um, Well, let's stifle that hunger for a little bit longer. And, and, you know, I mean, worst case scenario, we're kind of eating peach pie right now. So it's okay. Exactly. And we all know I could eat a peach for hours. Yeah, fair. Um, By the way, you said like peaches and nectarines were your top two favorite stone fruits. Like how many stone fruits can you even name? Oh, so you've got apricots, plums, okay. peaches, nectarines, um, of course, nectarines, nectarines sure. and then <laughs> and then others. Cherries. Are cherries a stone fruit or are they a berry? They're not a berry. No, they're a berry. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Berries seeds are in the fruit, and uh, stone fruits have a pit. Okay, that's fair enough. That's five. And that's also, great. I'm not gonna. That's great. You don't even have to go farther. That's more than I thought of. All right. <clears throat> um, Pie Heart of the Vengeance, Alvarado Street, out of 10, Johnny Summers. Hmm. This feels like an 8.5. It's mm. killer. Damn, dude, that's high for a beer that it like, is you high. can't drink without prepping properly. That's fine, you know. Some things are worth it. For me, it's a 7. It's it's, like, it's it's still pretty tart. I've had a few more drinks, and it's still like 16 ounces is a lot for this. They just crush the the peach flavor. Like it, that's what gets me is like it's so spot on. 
I can't not give it a high score because it is exactly as advertised. That's true. Let me let me uh, make one more tangent here, which is sort of a bastardized version of this. What if you did in like a martini glass, three ounces of this, an ounce of vodka on top, and float a peach ring in the middle? Ooh, and I want like a splash of club soda just to make it a just, little just tingly. Just to get a little fun bubbles? Just to, just zhuzh, just zhuzh it up just I, yeah, a little bit. That. Oh, yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be no, good. I want the I want the peach ring like just sliced with some scissors and like just on the edge like a like an orange slice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you could, edge I mean, edge of the martini glass. That's not enough liquid. I think we need to put it in a different glass, like a like like a not a pint glass, but like a like a highball. Like a highball. Yeah, oh. highball would be great. And then like you could even like chop up one. Like you could dice a peach ring and like kind of like quote unquote muddle it in the bottom. Yeah, that'd be fun. What a fun time! That would be fun. Yeah, that'd be good. Eat it with some I would Chinese definitely want food something with cheese. Yeah, yeah, that's a good or yeah. bad night, depending on how you just some qualify. just some moz- mozzarella egg rolls. <laughs> Drop those in the drink too. Get your food yeah. and your drink all in one. Just drink it through the mozzarella egg roll. God, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, by Heart of the Vengeance, Alvarado Street. It's an eight point five for Johnny. It's a seven for me. I think it's super tasty. Uh, this was also Curtis Park Market in Sacramento. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think this is in Chico. So if you have a friend or or family member that's passing through or lives in passing through Sacramento, not dying or lives in Sacramento, um, have them get it. I think it's worthwhile. How much was this? Six bucks, seven bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Have them pick it up. I think it's very, very much worthwhile. Here's a trailer for a new film that is in theaters and on HBO Max, which is how I saw it. It's called The Matrix Resurrections. I'll be back to talk about it in just a second. So please don't go anywhere. Thomas, you seem particularly triggered right now. Can you tell me what happened? I've had dreams that weren't just dreams. Am I crazy? We don't use that word in here. why you're still fighting and why you will never give up you don't know me no
after all these years to be going back to where it all started. Back to the Matrix. That was a trailer for Max's movie of the week, The Matrix Resurrections. To find out if his reality is a physical or mental construct, Mr. Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. If he's learned anything, it's that choice, while an illusion, is still the only way out of or into the Matrix. Neo already knows what he has to do, but what he doesn't yet know is that the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and far more dangerous than ever before. Nice. You want to tell me who directed this? This was directed by Lana Wachowski. And yeah. it stars go, sorry, Keanu yeah, go Reeves. Ahead. Go ahead. You might as well. That's it. That's all we have on the notes. It stars Keanu Reeves. That's it. Yeah. So, 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 do you like the Matrix? Trilo- well, I guess a quadrilogy at this point, sir. I liked the first one and I halfway liked the second one and the third one just went off the fucking rails. Right. Okay, that's the consensus. And which is why when I was rewatching the original trilogy, I didn't bother with the third one. The problem with that going into Resurrections is that it seems as though a lot of the knowledge that you need is based on maybe the third movie. Mm-hmm. Um so I will say in this discussion if you're okay with it, I'm going to spoil what I interpreted as happening in the third film. Nothing from this okay. one. Okay. Do it. Apparently, uh, Neo and Trinity die at the end. I'm not sure how it goes down, but it's clear that they die because this movie starts off with Thomas Anderson back in the Matrix, as far as we can tell, as uh, as as the head game designer of a very... This felt very free guy, by the way. Mm. Um <clears throat> He's sort of living a life where he's this game designer at a company who in the past has developed a game called The Matrix, but is currently working on a game called Binary. But there's all these flashbacks, and he's sort of in his consciousness that we get flashbacks into or flashes into and flashbacks of the old movies. In his waking consciousness, that's like, that was this game I designed, but I use sort of dreams and all sorts of real shit to make the game. And as an audience, we're like, okay, well, like you're Neo, we know it. The weird mm-hmm. thing to me was like, I don't know how we got back to this point where the movie picks up where he's just in the matrix. Um, so I think a, a a decent understanding of the original trilogy would be helpful here because it's missing some of the stuff that I really appreciated about just the first movie, which is sort okay. of all, all the stuff about like existentialism and, and the idea of free will and sort of conformity and capitalism and um, you know, uh, why we do the things we do day to day. That stuff's very interesting to me. And then you tie it up in sort of a hybrid Kung Fu gunplay movie that works. I think this movie's not great. Um, okay. You get Keanu Reeves doing his thing and I think it's great seeing that, but they really, really, really lean into the OG matrix nostalgia. Like there's nods and references that they really want to beat you over the head with. Some of that works. Okay. There's Mm -hmm. like the entire first sequence of the movie is the first scene of the first matrix where Trinity is sort of in this broken down warehouse and and the cops have her surrounded and the agents come in and then she fights them all. We see all that again with a different Trinity from the perspective of another character um, played here by Jessica Henwick. She plays a character named bugs. And it's sort of like this, this new age of people 
that have sort of taken over the resistance in the absence of Neo. Okay. And there's a lot to take in. I don't think any performance is particularly good, with the exception of two, um, which are Neil Patrick Harris as what? as the analyst. And he, I'm trying, I'm skimming Wikipedia, so I don't give anything away as I say it. Um, but he's sort of created, he, he's uh, that even, even that's giving too much away. He's the therapist for, for Thomas Anderson in what most of us realize is a simulation. So he's, he's mm -hmm. sort of almost keeping his brain on track. And then you also have a couple people, um, playing characters we know from the past. You have Jonathan Groff playing agent Smith. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of in, in this sort of modern matrix, his, uh, Thomas Anderson, I keep saying Thomas Anderson because that's how he thinks of himself in modern mm -hmm. day, but it's his business partner, like his boss at this video game company. Um, and you also have Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Morpheus. Yeah. Of. That seemed like an interesting choice. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, it makes sense for the story that they tell, but I'm wondering if they had to tell that story because Lawrence Fishburne was just like, that's okay. Nope. I don't want to yeah. do that again. <laughs> um, that said, Yahya Abdul-Mateen is so awesome. He's like, w when I think of him, he's been in um, an episode of Black Mirror with Anthony Mackie and he's super charismatic and like you kind of buy the idea that he could be a Morpheus type figure. Um, but Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris, I think do wonderfully in this. And, and like, you know, Keanu Reeves does Keanu Reeves. And I, it's hard to tell. And I think it's funny that we talked about Nicolas Cage briefly. Um, I think that was on our real episode, if not Patreon, but like, I almost feel like Nick Cage and Keanu Reeves sort of orbit each other with how seriously you can take or that we can take their performances, you know, like, mm, like they, yeah. they're both so obviously themselves in almost everything. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, like there's points in this movie where Keanu Reeves basically has to recite lines from the original movie, mm. but it doesn't ever feel self-aware in the same way that most Nick Cage movies do. Gotcha. So it kind of works. And I, th I think if you love the original matrix, not necessarily two and three, but if you love matrix one, don't watch this expecting much. Okay. If you hated the originals, obviously don't watch this, but if you're somewhere in the middle and you put that kind of movie on, there's entertaining moments. The gunplay is fun. There's some cool action scenes. There's a, um, a bit on the nose reinterpretation of the bullet time thing. Like they mm -hmm. keep mentioning how is this weird meta vibe that happens because like he's designing a game called the matrix. So they kind of mm -hmm. get away with mentioning bullet time and all these things that we know from the original trilogy. Um, yeah. but they do find a way to kind of, at least for the audience and what we're seeing on screen, kind of reinvent bullet time. And it seems almost like a cheesy effect unless you're really paying attention, which I started to. Um, and I think the key moment where for me, it started looking really cool. And I appreciated the the length they went to, to make it happen is in a mechanic shop. And there's some dude angle grinding something in the background and it puts off these really amazing spirals of sparks and you have characters moving in real time and you have stuff in super slow motion. There's like three to four levels of um, time movement that happens. And I think that's a really awesome way to portray sort of the the malleability of time and reality in the matrix i think that was really awesome it's it's an entertaining movie but it in no way unfortunately lives up to what i consider to be an amazing film with the first one okay i have many questions okay my mom the first one is uh did this feel like just a money grab did this movie need to be made 
It, it didn't need to be made, nor did it feel like a money grab. I don't think it's doing particularly well in theaters, um, but it felt like something that the people who made it really cared about when they did it. Mm. So I, I can appreciate that to some extent. Like th- I watched this little HBO special. It was like four and a half minutes long. And it was based, that was like a commercial. It was just like actors from this movie talking about how the original matrix influenced their lives. And Keanu Reeves is so endearing. He was just like, it just changed the way I thought about reality. And man, I couldn't wait to come back and make a second one or, you know, fourth one. Sorry. Um, so uh, like it, no, it didn't need to be made, but it didn't feel as hollow as some reboots do. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So was this fan service? Was this a justifiable sequel? Did it push the story of the matrix further and in an enjoyable way? I think it depends on the fan you're hoping to serve. Mm -hmm. The fan that watched the original matrix, I lumped myself into this as, as more of a philosophical exploration. No, this is not necessarily fan service. It gets very, very on the nose. And it's also not really that serving to fans that just watched a fun sci-fi action movie. Mm. And so I just think it missed the mark. I think maybe they were going for, for some kind of reverential sort of final, you know, not nail in the coffin. What's the opposite of that, but still sort of final you know, closing of, of a book, like really closing yeah. the, the chapter and be like, this is now the finished product. And it just, it doesn't stick the landing. In my yeah. Opinion. So they're trying to like bookend the series. Yeah. And again, I haven't seen the third one really, it's certainly in a long time. So I can't really, like, I thought that would have been the end of it in my brain, but maybe, maybe it left us hanging with a cliffhanger and then they had to close it. And if so, good, mm. I'm glad they did, but it, I don't know. So as a movie on its own, doesn't super hold up. Sounds like definitely not on its own. No. No, it relies so much on the lore of the matrix. Hmm. So would this satisfy someone that just wants more of that universe and maybe it just doesn't go any further than that? Yes, probably. Yeah. Yeah. If you'd like sitting in like little grimy ships and exploring underground cities and, and artificial intelligence and like to some extent that stuff. Yes, for sure. Watch it. Watch it. It's free on HBO max and it's in theaters. So do it if you want. If you want, uh, do you want to give me an out of 10 on this yeah, movie? It's like a four. Okay. I really wanted to like it. I remember when you and I saw that we'd each seen the trailer at some point and you, I think you said it looks like hot garbage mm-hmm. and I was like, no, it's going to be good. And it, it, you know, it wasn't good. It was, I guess it's predictably okay. Fair enough. So well, that's shit. the matrix resurrections from me. You want to get into hot and bothered? Uh, sure. What do you got? I've got a sick sound effect is what I got. <laughs> Welcome out and bother everybody. Leave that echoing clap in there. That's it's a hell of so a sound much, right? Too. Nobody knows what we're talking about at this point because I'm not. I couldn't do that. It would kill me. But uh, yeah, my recording room today is is not. It's not. Maybe it sounds okay. It's hard to say until the edit. But maybe it sounds terrible. It's possible. Which, if that's true, is part of my bothered. But that's the only bothered I have. <clears throat> um, <laughs> would you like me to go first? Uh, sure. I just don't have anything. <coughs> excuse me, written down or prepared. Um, sure, sure. I'm trying to think. I went to the movies and saw our movie for next week. That's a good segue. I'll save that to the end. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, I have a, I have a, I have a piggyback on last week's for myself. Okay. Last week I said that by this time, by recording this week, I would have a working, I think finished product of a song from my upcoming album. Oh yeah. 
And um, due to unforeseen circumstances, I wasn't able to finish that. But I did get a full day of uh, production in, in the studio. And I have what I think is a pretty good working demo of nice. a song of mine that I still can't get away from the name of Photograph with. So for now, it's going to be <laughs> Photograph. And I don't care. It's the yeah, only you name that send, can work. You got to send me over the lyrics to that song. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Um, I'll workshop it. I love naming things. Okay. The instrumentation so far is though, like it's, it's, um, there's no acoustic guitar on it, which doesn't make a lot of sense. If you've seen me perform live, I traditionally play with just an acoustic guitar. Um, mm -hmm. it's a piano driven song. There's a lot of electric guitar doing like, like almost like eighties guitar plucky stuff. Like the, that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. pretty full studio sounding drums, like big kicks and snares and rides and crashes and that kind of thing. We're going to add nice. some, oh, I also did a lot of like swells with my pedal board. Like I used a lot of volume swells that almost sound organy, but not quite. Okay. Um, so we're working on like bass lines and, and figuring out auxiliary percussion. And I haven't tracked vocals or anything like that yet, but I mean, it's coming along pretty well. And it sounds way different than what I expected, which is always so fun taking a song into a studio and bringing somebody else's brain in to be like, well, what do you think? And they're like, well, here's something you've never considered. And I'm like, yes. Love it, mm -hmm. which I also feel like is a really good, um, it's great for me because I have a hard time sort of letting go of that sort of control. Yeah. So to be like, all right, sure. Like let's at the very least, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, we don't have to use it, but let's, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Totally. So that yeah, was fresh fun. eyes and fresh perspective are always mm -hmm. good. Yeah. The next uh, week or so for me is pretty stacked. So I don't think I'll have an update by next week for the show, but by the week after that, I'm pretty sure we'll have a finished song that I will probably throw in underneath my vocals at some point in a couple weeks. All right, and I may or may not have named it. Fair enough. Uh, what you got this week? Uh, so not much. Had a pretty mellow weekend. Went out and unwound pretty aggressively Friday, so that led to mm. a lot of relaxing on Saturday. Uh, but then Sunday night, we actually were invited to a Christmas block party, right. which was something fun and unique, and I've never done that before. Uh, and it was a big get-together on a cul-de-sac, and there was a taco truck. I'm, I'm sorry, were, what did you say? Did you what? say cul-de-sac? Yeah. With a T? Isn't it cul-de-sac? <laughs> no, it's with a D. Cul-de-sac. Cul-de-sac. Okay. Cul I don't know. I'm not French, bro. I don't think. Uh, okay, fair enough. Look it up. It comes from French. Right. Guaranteed. Okay. 100%. Uh, anyways. It's a lot of confidence it was guys in cul-de-sac. It was a cul-de-sac. All right. Um, uh, which is French for the bottom of a sack, which is round. <laughs> and that is why they call it that. I'll take it. So anyways, there was a taco truck. There was little campfires around. There was the, uh, the Yule logs were playing and it was, uh, it was a great time. Just kids running around having fun. And it was something very just out of like a old Christmas movie. It felt like wholesome and pure and happy and it was really nice to just be surrounded by so much joy especially at a time when i'm not usually the most happy i'm not the biggest fan of the holidays in general uh so definitely kind of went outside my comfort zone yeah. there and had some good times had a few beers saw ben murray friend of the show he was there a uh, friend of mine uh, brad rosenquist was out there sure. so it was a good time uh, had, had a really good time doing that. And then my other hot this week, which segues me into what we're doing on the show next week. I went to see a movie for the, just for pleasure. And it just so happens we're going to be doing it next week. Sure. And I enjoyed a showing of the brand new Spider-Man 
something something. You don't know home. what it's called either. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what any of nope. the Tom Holland ones are called. Okay, it's No Way Home. Okay, the first one was Far From Home. Nice Homecoming like, or the f- Homecoming, yeah. and then No Way Home, and then this one's Far From Home. Okay, or No Way Home. Oh my god! The second one was <laughs> Far From Home. That's okay. when they were trapped abroad. Yes, like, I think it was Italy that the the yeah, all that went down. I think so too. But yes, but this one is No Way Home, and it opens up. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it, yes. and we'll get way into it next week. But there's a multiverse. That's all we're going to say. Yeah. So, if you stick around for one Danger Zone, next week's Danger Zone is going to be spicy as fuck. Um. Also, dude, next week's bonus content on Patreon is all the Spider-Man films since the O3 uh, Tobey Maguire ranked. Sick. Okay. Cool. Um, also, did you Google what cul-de-sac meant or did you really guess what it meant and you were right? No, I knew what it meant and I knew the origin. I'm not a fool. I just say words wrong. How did you, okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, it is from 18th, mid 18th century French and it means bottom of a sack. <laughs> Why the fuck are you surprised that I'm a little smart sometimes? The word wrong. It's, it's unusual to say the word wrong, but, but get the definition and the, and the, uh, the etymology correct. Well, I'm a brilliant idiot. What do you want me to say? That's what I want you to say. That's perfect. I'd also like you to say, unless you have anything else, uh, end of show stuff. Yeah, this show wouldn't be made possible without the uh, astounding work every week of young Max Minardi. Oh, thanks. All of our patrons and uh, his sister as well. What's her name again? You don't know Bailey's name? She's like well, literally a room. Name. I can go it's, get her to say it herself. It's, it's your job to say it. You're right. So I was, I was just segueing. But anyways, yeah, we love you guys. Thank you all the patrons. Thank you, Max. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you're celebrating. Sure. Enjoy it. Uh, I think that's it. Until next week, that's Max. And that's Johnny. Have a great rest of your week. Johnny, say the, say the nice things to keep people on their their wonderfully eth- eth- ethical tracks. Yeah, guys. You got you to drink some good beers, hopefully maybe with some family or some some chosen family, some friends, people that enrich your life keep those people around because they're important uh watch a good movie this weekend this long weekend maybe if you have some extra time off and above all always be good to each other we love you and we'll see you next week this is fresh hop cinema